Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jay Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is... Well, it depends on if you're listening live or not. I don't even know why I say that every time. Most of the time, everybody just downloads the stuff instead of listening in real time. But I do have a few of you out there that do listen in real time, so thank you for joining us this evening. It is the fifth day of June. Can you believe it's June already? Halfway through the year 2014, and we'll be live here for the next hour. If you are listening to us on JREV Radio, welcome and finally, we got the stream to work for more than 10 seconds. And I'm waiting for my uh, my usual gremlins to come out here on the We Are Not Cattle podcast. It typically seems to happen about 10 minutes into the show. So let's see if we can't run a smooth one tonight. Joining me on the podcast, in-studio guest, my uh, my friend, good buddy, uh, Alan Brown. Uh, say hello to the people, Alan. Thank you very much, Nick. Glad to be back. It is um, it is a pleasure to have somebody in the studio. Makes for a different dynamic for for one. I mean, at least I now I got to keep the lights on instead of like putting myself in a dark room and and trying to trying to put all these uh, whispering the truth. Yeah, exactly. Whispering the <laughs> sweet nothings into my audience's ear. But anyway, <laughs> tonight on the show, uh, Josh Wiley should be joining us here uh, in a little bit. I don't know if he got hung up or what is going on with him, but he should be popping in on us. Uh, also might have another pop in from one of the other guys that um, that has helped uh, get JREV Radio on the map and um, actually one of my other good buddies. So we'll see if everybody makes it on the show tonight. It could be hit and miss. Uh, shoot, it could be hit and miss with us. There's thunderstorms all over the place here in Atlanta. So if we lose Internet, then uh, I love you all and, you know, keep me in your prayers that kind of deal it is a stormy night i saw a lightning bolt coming up here snake that uh it just stayed in freeze frame for a good six and a half seconds scared the living bejesus out of me yeah you combine that with the atlanta traffic and that makes for an absolutely fun commute up here so um just getting into what we were going to discuss tonight i did want to read some excerpts from a book um that i'm going to post on the um we are not cattle homepage, so you guys can check it out i found a pdf version of uh, Bernays's propaganda, and I wanted to read two subsections to everybody to kind of get an idea of where we're going um, with the show this evening. So the first says, today, however, a reaction is set in. The minority have discovered the powerful help of influencing majorities. It has been found possible to so mold the mind of the masses so that they are, will be thrown their newly gained strength into a desired direction. The present structure of society, the practice is inevitable. Whatever social importance is done today, whether it's politics, finance, manufacture, agriculture, charity, education, or other fields, must be done with the help of propaganda. Propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. And he continues here and says, universal literacy was supposed to educate the common man to control his environment. Once he had read and write, he would be able to he would he would have a, a fit mind to rule. He so so ran the democratic doctrine. 
but instead of the mind, the universal literacy gave him a rubber stamps, rubber stamps inked with advertising slogans, with editorials, with published scientific data, with trivialities of the tabloids, with the platitudes of history, and with the quite innocent of the original, but quite innocent of original thought. Each man's rubber stamps are duplicates of millions of others, so that there are millions of those that are exposed to the same stimuli, receive the same identical imprints. It seems exaggeration to say that the American public gets most of his ideas from this wholesale fashion. The mechanism by which the ideas are disseminated on a large scale in propaganda is a broad sense of the organized effort to spread a particular belief or doctrine. Now, that is the essence of what we're talking about here today. And uh, I do have another paragraph that I wanted to pull up. But, Alan, you said you wanted to share some stuff with the audience. So, um, fire away, man. I definitely do want to always bring in the historical side to it. You know, we see a lot of it today. It's, you know, you have to be living under a rock, pretty much oblivious if you don't think that everything you see on TV is being thrown at you. And, uh, you know, you, you just got to always go back to the point of origin as far as where is this always coming from, you know. And... Uh, from what I've gathered and what I believe, I feel like the founding father for all this was Machiavelli in Italy. It was a long time ago. I think he wrote that book in 1517 or 1518, The Prince, and it is basically the Bible as far as how to control the masses, how to basically take what you want to do and take them for a spin, take them for a little walk, and uh, with it you will gain the power and control of whatever entity you want to rule. And uh, I definitely uh, am fascinated by it. I haven't read a lot of it, but from what I have read, I just it is amazing how well it applies today, and how you can see it's been used in every political fashion, business manufacturing fashion, in the entire uh, world throughout. Um, let me read you a quick quote from the beginning of it, uh, just to kind of lay a, a foundation of what uh, Machiavelli's thoughts were when he was basically deciding to to write the book. Um, he says, and I quote. Since it is my intention to write something of use, I deem it is best to stick to practical truth of things rather than to fancies. Now let me break away here and say that when he uses the term fancies, he was kind of referring to previous theories that were in place where basically there was this whole depiction that uh, man was good. Morals would always um, triumph over uh, you know, immoral indiv individuals or thoughts and that you know, at, the, at the end of the day, in order to rule good, you just could be good, and they would comply. But the reality is, is that he's just saying that that is the furthest thing from the truth as possible. You know, when you want to take into uh, all sorts of uh, fashions or equations, you have to realize that at some point evil has to take over. And if you just apply the equations or the formulas that I will depict in this novel, you will find that you will you will get whatever you want because the reality is is that uh, there is very li very little good in this world. So. That's what, he rem that's what he's talking, to, talking about when he's explaining fancies. And I'll continue. Many men have, Im have imagined republics and the principalities that never existed at all. Yet the way men live is so far removed from the way they ought to live that anyone who abandons what is for what should be pursues his downfall rather than his own preservation. So obviously this guy was well ahead of his time. Um, an absolute genius, but nonetheless, he would go on to basically take Italy from a nothing to making it a, one of the superpower of the Western Europe, and he did it on these fundamental 
philosophies that still exist and are prevalent today in every way, shape, and fashion. Um, it's um, it's quite remarkable. I think it's a wonderful read, and um, I would recommend it to anyone out there that's trying to understand what or where these people are able to get this concept to where it's like, hey, if you want something done, what do I need to do to tell people just the opposite in order to make that come? You know, that kind of that reverse psychology, right, Snake? Yeah, that's it. And when you're, I'm sorry, guys, we're kind of sharing the mic here, but <clears throat> when you when you look at the way that that history lays lays out the ideas of propaganda, the ideas of the society that we exist in, you really do have to take into consideration the the, the education level of the masses, and that's what we're trying to change here. Is that we're trying to teach people to utilize critical thinking skills. We're trying to teach people how to utilize the trivium in order to you know, in order to shield yourself and provide yourself a level of intellectual self-defense in in a world that is just basically bombarding you with um, declarative statements, um, logical fallacies, and all of those sorts of things. Because when you get down to the brass tacks of it, um, your motivation is typically done, and in, in Tom Campbell and I talked about this at, at nauseum in, uh, in our interview, and I'm actually going to air that uh, sometime soon, but if you want to check it out before I air it on the podcast – you can check it out at We Are Not Cattle TV on the YouTube station. So, um, but we talked about the motivating factor is fear, and it was kind of what Alan was alluding to as well. And it was really, really kind of a poignant quote to to bring all this together. Is that you, you can govern a society the best way you can, but what you're inevitably going to turn to that motivates individuals is fear. And in the sales organizations. We call this the FUD principle, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt principle, giving them the ability to do something today that they might not be able to do tomorrow. So it's the fear of loss. It's this, it's this whole mentality. And then we've just become in, in ba- like basically bathing in propaganda since, since the inception of the printing press, since the ability of the elites and, and whomever would like to control the narrative – Remember this book, Bernays' book, Propaganda, was written in 1928. So we're starting to see all of these things that are coming to fruition. And they come to fruition not because the the people willingly go for it. It's because people have found out a way to encapsulate your brain to get you to compartmentally think and to not and to not really move through life using grammar, logic, rhetoric, those types of things in order to make sound decisions. You're basically intellectually stunted, probably by the age of about 15. I would say that that's the majority of the uh, intellectual um, aptitude, and that's being very nice, of the mass population. And I'm not trying to be mean to the population, the masses, but the fact of the matter is, is that this was a conditioned plan, and this was started back in the 1950s by the way they organized the school system, by, by putting all of these, um, these ideas into compartmentalized facets, whether you're talking about something as pre- predictive as the, the Skinner box, which is what we're basically going through as we go through the motions of high school and middle school. And if you're somebody like myself, I know this sounds very odd, but about in 10th grade, I realized that high school wasn't going to do me anything or wasn't doing anything for me to prepare me for the real world. Yeah, I could probably learn some equations, and that would help and stuff like that. But the overall overarching theme of it was that this was teaching me nothing for a practical standpoint to prepare myself for the world that I was about to enter. 
And now that I'm starting to um, entertain my, or excuse me, uh, enlighten myself and, and gain my own knowledge and formulate my own thoughts, which is what uh, Bernays was talking about there, which is extremely important for us to be a successful civilization and a successful society, is that we have to have a bunch of individuals that are thinking in groupthink, and then that's where society is headed. So once I've broken with my conditioning, I can see the rest of the population's conditioning and how they operate, the, the types of rhetoric that they use. They use rhetoric without facts, which as we all know is uncircumstantial. They use, uh, they use statistics to back up their arguments when the statistics have no bounds. It's, it was a conversation that, um, that I was having with a friend talking about raising a, 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 you know, raising a, a rate of risk for something. So they were talking about the fact that, well, if you have this certain gene, like the Angelina Jolie gene, that, that you're 80% more likely to develop you know, breast cancer and ovarian cancer than if you were just you know, regularly um, if you didn't have this specific gene. And that sounds like a really big number. That's 80%. That's a big number. But then we started digging into the grammar, and it's like, okay, well, what's, what is your baseline? If it's 80% of one – if it's 80 times of 1%, if you have a 1% chance, then that's <laughs> no need not, to sweat, huh? Right. That's not a very substantial argument. But once again, they utilize these numbers, these percentages in order to skew the public, in order to condition you to believe and accept certain things because that's just the way it is. And once again, the appeal to authority, which is the biggest logical fallacy that we all run into and that we're conditioned to accept – from the fact that we're, you know, standing, we're sitting down, the teacher's standing up, that is a psychological deprivation point right there. Any, anybody that's ever been in any kind of business meeting knows that if anybody stands up in a business meeting and you're still sitting down, then that is the person that has the floor, that is the person that is the, the one in charge. And so it's a subconscious thing that we go through as we're going through all of this schooling, and then we're in a point where we're just accepting things because that's the way that we've been programmed to do. You take in the data, you accept the data, you digest it, and then you move on. Now, I do want to play a clip here um, to kind of keep along this idea of propagandizing and conditioning because that's where this really does get to the root of what's going on. And for those of you that are longtime listeners, you've probably heard this clip before. If you're relatively new to the show, hi, welcome. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for taking the time to – to try to expand your knowledge base and once again start having some free thoughts of your own and make sure that they're not somebody else's ideas or rhetoric that you've heard and once again I say this on the show constantly just because I say something don't go around and repeat what I said look at it for yourself analyze it for yourself agree with me or disagree I don't care at least you had your own rational thought given the facts that you had so that's all that I can ask so here's the um, here's a clip from the Skinner box and this is um this is about two, two and a half minutes, so enjoy, everybody. B.F. Skinner and the classical conditioning and the overlay of your psyche and, and how it can affect you and how it even affected um, pigeons, I believe. So here we go. Enjoy. Can pigeons read? This one gives every indication because he's been taught to distinguish between two words and to behave appropriately. He's learned his different response to each sign by being rewarded with food. So the bird isn't acting independently. Its behavior is shaped by controlling its environment. 
The first task was to isolate an individual piece of behaviour and see how that could be changed. Skinner did this by keeping individual pigeons at about three quarters of their normal weight, so that the birds were always hungry and food could be used as an automatic reward. The pigeon was studied in a uniform box, one it quickly grew used to. One piece of behaviour, pecking a coloured disc, was measured on a graph. The pigeon learned that pecking the disc produced a reward. Then the behaviour of pecking could be studied in relation to how often that reward was offered, or in Skinner's terms, what was the schedule of reinforcement? The main thing is what's what we call schedules of reinforcement. Reinforcement is what the layman calls reward, and you can schedule it uh, so that a reward occurs every now and then when a pigeon does something. We usually use a response with a pigeon pecking a little disc, a little spot in the wall, and you can reinforce with food. But you don't reinforce every time, you're every, perhaps every tenth time, or perhaps only once every minute or something like that. There are a very large number of, of schedules and they have their uh, special effects. And there is a good example of how you can move from uh, the, uh, the pigeon to the human case because one of the, one of the schedules which is very effective with, with rats or pigeons is what we call a variable ratio schedule. And that is at the heart of all gambling devices and has the same effect. The pigeon can become a pathological gambler just as a person can. Now, the fact that we found that out with pigeons and could prove it by removing and changing the schedule makes it easy for us to interpret the case with, with the, human, the human subject. We, we don't say that the, the human subject uh, gambles to punish himself, as the Freudians might say, or gambles because he feels excited when he does so. Nothing of, nothing of the sort. People gamble because of the schedule of the reinforcement that follows. And this is true of all gambling systems. They all have variable ratios built into them. So what we've learned from the pigeon, it made it possible to interpret this vast field very effectively. All right, so Alan, you heard that clip of the Skinner box, and I don't know if you're familiar with the study or if you aren't, but what did you make of that, man? It's pretty, uh, that's pretty interesting stuff, you know. I definitely... I, I'm not familiar with the Skinner box, so you know to hear something like that for the first time is pretty, pretty groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, you want to believe that uh, there's got to be another, uh, uh, another incentive for him, but the reality is, is that there's, there's just not. Yeah, it's a, it's a precondition overlay that basically Skinner's idea is that you could overlay patterns of programming, and, and you know, like most researchers, he's probably doing it for. Not such a nefarious reason, but you know the conclusions and the justification or in the conclusions of of the studies that he conducted will obviously if you could show patterns of behavior, schedule the reinforcement so that the people would behave a certain way or the pigeon would behave a certain way then you then you push those templates out to people as they're coming up through schooling, and so you give them schedules of rewards like grades and things like that or they want to strive to make an A, or you get a gold star, and we do it every week, or we do it every two weeks. So it's the schedule of reinforcement that really does kind of break down the human psyche, and it takes away your your idea of exploration and risk because you're always looking for that reinforcement. That's why sometimes when people get in a, get in a career, they want to 
they want to go to the top, and it's not because they want to make more money. It's because they want that reinforcement that what they're doing is valid, that what they're doing as a person is 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 um is something beneficial. They need that reinforcement. They're not really they don't have their own ego under control. They're trying to feed the ego in order to give them the reinforcement. But if they could just have some self-actualization and understand that you being a human being and you interacting with other people and you doing it in a positive manner is going to benefit you more. You know, obviously you have to you have to get to the basic needs and necessities of you know food, water, shelter. But once you have those, then it really doesn't matter how much money you make. And I think that that's one of the things that um, there was a study I think done by Harvard that said once you make over fifty five thousand dollars as an individual the level of your happiness doesn't increase at all. So once you've, con- once you've taken care of those creature comforts, it's really just you know icing on the cake, so to speak, but then you get pushed by all these other deterrents, and then you start, the feeding, right, you start feeding the ego in even different ways where you're trying to make more money and try to keep up with the Joneses, that kind of effect, and then you've turned into a psychologically controlled animal that's not really benefiting society, because now you're turning into the people that we can't stand here, and those are the money whores, the guys that are money junkies. They just chase the money. They don't care if they blow up the damn planet as long as they've got more <laughs> money than the guy next to them. That's all that matters. So they they are a special breed, those guys. I yeah. definitely, I definitely want to comment on the positive reinforcement. You know, you know, Snake. We've we've been in sales. We've been in management. You know, a big concept is. As a manager, you know, you always want to give that positive reinforcement. And there's different forms of positive reinforcement. But the reality is, is that once you can establish that, once you can maybe uh, figure out what a, a, an employee of yours or someone that's working for you under your wing or, you know, you're mentoring, if you can find out if it's, you know, maybe just uh, something verbal that you give uh, recognition in front of other people as far as that praise, you know, and they just, uh, they just love it, they eat it up, you know, you own them from that point. You can literally put the carrot on the stick. And keep doing that from time to time, just to, just to positively reinforce them that they're doing the right thing and that there's a reason behind their their drive. You know, you're getting the most out of this person, but for what? You're just telling them they're doing a good job, or it might be a, a gift or a reward with some other person, that, and they see some sort of incentive, or they can visualize some sort of path as far as like, wow, if I keep doing this, then I'll get that. Then I must be happy. Right. I must be, and that is right. management 101 in the sense of, hey, just tell them they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. and they'll keep doing the right, right. thing. Well, and it's, uh, it's so sad, but that's, that's, that's it. But that's, but that's the, the psychology that we have to understand, and that, that's one of the, the challenges when I run into to people that would like to argue and debate over platforms like Facebook. It really doesn't real, do anybody any good to do a debate, and I actually kicked myself for it because I got into a long-winded debate over climate change with um, somebody regarding this. <laughs> you always get fired up over climate change. I do, and it's it's because what it does is it takes out the idea that you could do self-discovery and that you could actually look to change it yourself and that you, by your habits, if you do the right thing with your habits and your activity and your life, then Climate change will take care of itself. But what I hate are the people that believe that they need an authority figure or somebody with a lot of guns, a.k.a. government, to come and point them at me (laughs) in order for me to change my behavior because it never ends up well. 
Anytime that you have an ideal or a utopian idea, and I'm not saying that climate change isn't real, people. I'm not saying that we don't have pollution problems on the planet. I'm not saying that we have deforestation problems. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that the belief that you can fix it by utilizing government to point guns at people is a fallacy because <laughs> nobody is going to go along with it. And what they utilize is another, another weapon of mind control is peer pressure. And so they'll utilize peer pressure, and they try to use peer pressure on me, and then I just point out their logical fallacies. I'm like, you can't use that study because that study's not valid. You can't pull a study that only says that, well, we're about you know, 93% sure that this is what it is. Well, no, <laughs> that's, a, that's a logical fallacy. It's a, numeral, it's a numeral fallacy. You can't say that something's 85% true, and so therefore it could be 15% false. It could be bad intel. It could be bad information. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is that when you look at the Club of Rome, if you go to my website and watch the documentary, All Watched Over by Machines of Love and Grace, especially part number two, when they tried this the first time, they left out the idea and the facts when they started using the limits to growth theory. They left out the ideas and the facts that there could be political change and there could be individual change. That didn't even factor into the equation. You know why? Because if they factor that in the equation, the variables are so big, and they can't really prove their point that we need to do something as this big monolithic UN um, conglomerate slash Club of Rome, whatever you want to call it. It was a bunch of guys getting together to try to run the planet, and they're going to run. They're going to use machines to do it, which is the exact same reprogrammed and redistributed zeitgeist thing that we saw that I saw that kind of woke me up at least the part of the Fed woke me up I didn't really like the idea of the supercomputer running my life that kind of seemed like it was anti-free will but I, it got me why are you questioning the system snake it's just it's so ridiculous because the system is flawed so here as we're moving through this I'm going to give you guys some ideas of propaganda and I'm going to I'm going to go over this clip here on 9/11. I don't think that Alan Brown has seen this, but he understands where I come from on I'm here to learn. Uh, on the theory of 9/11 and and I just want some damn questions answered. That's all I want. I don't want Listen, I interviewed Richard Gage, the the lead architect for Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth. You guys can find it in here. I actually should probably post that on the YouTube channel because it was about a 30-minute interview. But he gets into all the basic groundbreaking, you know, legitimate facts. These are facts. These are not made-up fallacies that happened. Yes, the buildings, three buildings collapsed. Yes, they did. Yes, they collapsed at almost free fall speed. Hey, nobody asked this question on CNN. How many buildings have ever collapsed from fire? Steel structured buildings have ever collapsed from fire in the entire history of steel structured buildings. I have an answer for you. It's three. <laughs> and it's the only three that collapsed on 9-11. So in your, in your brain of utilizing computing and understanding how propaganda works, you might want to question the fact that, wait a minute, are you telling me that buildings have burned? Yes, there have been huge 60-story buildings that have had three floors burning, five alarm fires for weeks, and they didn't collapse. <laughs> but yet this one burns for an hour, and then they just both fall like a bunch of cinder blocks. With so, the cameras rolling. Yeah, it's fine, dude. It's fine. It's just a big 
just a big fear porn. But then again, I'm I'm a you know I'm a I'm a extremist for questioning known liars. So anyway, here's the Jake Tapper clip, and I don't know if I've played this on the show before, but um, all right, everybody, get, you, you know what's sad? Before you roll this, you yeah. know what's so what's sad about 9/11 is that. When Kennedy got assassinated, you know, they talked about the controversy, the cover-up, just the conspiracy theories around it for decades. I mean, I, we're still coming out, you know, we're still talking about it. I saw maybe a documentary probably three or four years ago on it. I know that uh, Kevin Costner had his movie eh, probably, probably about a decade ago, but like literally, literally, it's been not even a decade and a half about 9-11. No one talks about it anymore. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder about that? You know, it's like Kennedy. I guess the whole concept of like who actually shot him is always a, a question that will be asked. You know, it's a rhetorical question almost at that point. But the reality is, is that there's so much conspiracy and there's so many unanswered, unanswered questions about that day in New York, and nobody talks about it. Mm-mm. No, talk, Jake Tapper maybe, talks about it. He talks maybe to... for a minute on 9/11. We talk about it as we hold our heads and. Give the moment of silence, but never, mm-hmm. never really ask any other questions. No, nope. that no, is strange. It's only been it's, a decade because it's faux pas, man. It's become, it's become once again, it's become groupthink. It's become peer peer pressure, and the fact that it's kind of like if you if you speak out against climate change or you speak out against carbon taxes or something like that. Look, look, I don't need to pay Al Gore money in order to to fix the climate. We can find a different way to do this. You don't have to tax me. You can just tax the corporations, and we'll be just fine because they utilize – and government because they are the worst polluters on the planet. Quit looking to me to to gain some of my – once again, gain leverage and control, everybody, and energy. Leverage, control, and energy. All right, so anyway. Classic Fundamentals by Machiavelli himself. All right, so anyway. We're getting Snake fired up over here. I better take it easy on him. He's getting – he's huffing and puffing, folks. It's fine. It's fine because – you know, this kind of stuff should get you mad, but this is Jake Tapper, and I'll give Jake Tapper credit. You actually did cover Bilderberg two years ago, but then you come out with this, and I'd love to be able to – if you put me on CNN for three minutes, <laughs> I will light you up like a Christmas tree. There will be three Jake guys Tapper. in suits come out of nowhere and just judo chop you. Yeah, that or I, yeah, just – oh, I just get something cut out like what happened with Ted <laughs> Cruz where Ted Cruz made a, a statement on Face the Nation – and it was something against Barack Obama. I'll have to find the clip. And they just cut out the whole two minutes that he was making this statement. And they're like, well, thanks for being on. He's like, well, thank you. Here's a live clip. Yep. Thank you, Ted. See you later. All right. So <laughs> this really does tie in. I mean, this is all propaganda. This is how this stuff works. This is how groupthink works. This is how – this is what Bernays just wrote about what I read to you at the beginning of the show is that you check out intellectually and you just kind of go with the flow, and here's what happens. Because Jake Tapper is going to tell you what happens. Remember, we went from an organization and from – excuse me, not from an organization, from a, from a climate to where journalists asked all the questions to now journalists, especially ones in suits that are paid to tell you lies, have all the answers. And as long as they speak with authority and look at you and talk to you like you're a little child, you should believe them because once again – they're the authority figure in the room. You're watching them. It's a good suit. It's three piece. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like five hundred bucks. Here, sucker. This is. <laughs> this is a. I think this is a two piecer. But here we go. Here we go. Get ready for the lies, everybody. Pamphlets made to look like the real thing. Welcome back to the lead. The national lead now. The September 11th Memorial Museum opens to the public this week in Lower Manhattan. I'm going to pause for the fallacies, everybody. Who are apparently no strangers to Photoshop 
plan on attending. According to the Village Voice newspaper, which broke the story, the conspiracy group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth... Okay. The architects cons- and Engineers. The, the conspiracy group, made up of 3,000 architects and engineers, certified architects and instructional engineers, that say that the, um, the official narrative is bupkis... Yeah, these guys are just... They're just conspiracy theorists. <laughs> no big deal. Remember where this term conspiracy theory came from was from the CIA back when JFK was assassinated that Alan alluded to earlier. And they just said, all right, we're just going to put out a memo out, and anybody that says that questions the narrative, just call them conspiracy theorists. Because that way you don't have to intellectually defend your argument. You can just call me a conspiracy theorist and then move on. And somehow you win. It's like... It's like when your wife tells you whatever, you know, whatever. That's that right. means you, you lost the argument. Go put anyway. on your straitjacket. Exactly. So here we go. And continuing with the lies. Plan on standing outside the entrance on opening day to hand out fake museum brochures oh. designed to look exactly like the real ones. Take a look. On the left side of your screen, the real deal. Welcome to the 9-11 Memorial Preview, Visitor's Guide for Adults. On the right, the group's handiwork. Welcome that is a to the other that is a story about 9-11. That's, of course... The false one. Inside, they claim they've compiled, quote, a vast amount of... I like how he dodges... Alan, I'm going to rewind this just for a second. I like how they have Building 7 clearly identified here with the number 7 as the two towers, and then the third tower, Building 7, that nobody talks about, and then on the 9-11 Memorial, you only have the two towers. They are beautiful, aren't they? Just the two isolated towers. That's it. No, a third tower didn't fall. I want you to memorize 9-11. Remember no, the reality. It's so easy, Alan, because the the eleven actually looks like two towers. <laughs> it does. So beautiful. All right. So continuing with this garbage. This one. Inside, they claim they've compiled quote a vast. They claim that they've compiled once again using logical fallacies and people that don't understand grammar would never have caught that. They claim. So he can say that they claim, and that basically relieves him of any. Um, any legalese that he would have to – so you could I, – I could claim that space aliens are – I claim that Jake Tapper claims that space aliens are coming to land. It doesn't really make any sense, but, you know, once again, you're watching CNN. This is CNN. We got James Earl Jones doing our intros. We're legit. Wolf's in the back, coming out in five. I really shouldn't hammer these guys. i got a friend of mine from high school that works for them, but whatever. Yeah, this is not exactly your typical ATL fans ripping on the headquarters downtown, but, you know. Yeah, if we, it's a great center. It's a beautiful center for what it's worth. Yeah, if we disappear, um, go Hawks. That's All right, right, so here we go. That's right. Amount of evidence. I'm using the term loosely there. Oh, you're using the term loosely from engineers and architects that you uh, evidently have all of your AIA degrees in order, so go ahead. <laughs> Proving. That's their word, not ours. Oh, proving. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But all three World Trade Center skyscrapers were deliberately destroyed by explosives on 9-11. Of course, they don't actually prove anything except for man's capacity for believing crazy things. And man- really? Man's capacity for believing crazy things. Yes. So God he, forbid so, we question authority. No, no, no. So th- this is the mind game because what he's doing here, and this is a really good job of just yellow journalism because what he's doing is saying that anybody that would question this – is basically a, a bumbling idiot. And, yeah. And insensitivity to, for instance, the families of the. Oh, you got to pull out the dead people. Got to. Got to pull out the dead people. Approximately 3,000 people killed in New York, the Pentagon, and in a field in Pennsylvania by Islamic terrorists with Al Qaeda, as every credible investigation has actually proven. Let's bring it. Credible. 
credible. Can we define credible? No, you can't because that's an ambiguous term. That who who defines the credibility? I think CNN does. All right, so here we go. <laughs> and so, who do they trot out? None other credible. than than your extreme left wing media. Your, your and Emily Bazelon, like senior editor, explain for more on this. Emily, we are more than a decade after the tragedy of 9/11. Why do these truthers have such staying power? Because, can I say it? Their shit makes sense, and your shit don't. <laughs> it's such a good question, the persistence of this theory. You know, usually with the... Oh, excuse me. Uh, senior editor for Extreme Left Wing might as well be Maoist Slate Magazine. Conspiracy theory, you imagine that people are trying to make sense of the senseless. But with 9-11, we have a real conspiracy called Al-Qaeda. And so one... I'm sorry, who started Al-Qaeda again? Oh, a division of the Muslim Brotherhood started by U.S. and British intelligence going back to Adolf Hitler. Oh, it's so fun to be in Wait a minute, wait a minute. We train these guys? No, come on. Come on. Come on. They're the terrorists. Hey, and and, and all the hijackers were – excuse me, nine of the 13 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. And there's nothing in the history of American about setting up the House of Saud through the CIA or anything like that. So once again, these are probably not assets of the American government but probably are. But – who cares? You have to imagine that the anti-government motivation of the 9-11 truthers is really what's driving this. Because if okay, so see how they conflate things with the idea that you can you cannot be somebody for factual, structural, physical evidence unless you're anti-government. It can't be the fact that hey. None of this stuff makes sense. Like, what about the guys that said they heard bombs going off in Building 7? What about the tapes of them saying that they're going to bring the building down and for everybody to back up? Who's going to bring the building down? Nobody asked that question. All right, so here we go. All right, you got one more thing? Yeah, I just want to say, I feel like, you know, Snake, you're the marketing expert. I'm not, but from, from the impression that I get, I feel like Emily comes in, and her angle for this is basically to appeal to a market of maybe a lot of the women viewers at home. Or a lot of people probably like on the fence that kind of understand both situations as far as seeing guys like you and I as as outcast or you know someone that should be ostracized, and then also just trying to pull in pull in that middle ground and those women and just say, hey, look, I understand these these people like Jake and Alan. I understand how they can you know be so persistent in their views and still continue to this day to question what we're telling them happened. But the reality is, is that we should kind of feel sorry for them. Yeah. You know, they're, they're nice people. They're just a little lost. They're they a little slow. They just don't know. They and just don't know. They just read history just, books. What do they know? Yeah, and if they could just get together, we could put this all behind us, and we could focus on the memorial. Yeah, that's what it's really about. It's right? about it's about memorializing these people. It's not about the people that are you know dying left and right from asbestos poisoning because the government told them it was safe to not wear their respirators. <laughs> None of that stuff matters. No, you are no. Once again, you're getting off track. You're asking hard questions. Just just accept it, move on from it. Dis disestablish yourself from these groups. Hey, they found those weapons of mass destruction, didn't they? Right. Uh, it was right next to Saddam. Oh, yeah, bunker. that's right. In yeah. the bunker. He had him. I think he was sitting on him. My favorite part of the sanctions is when he actually started No, I think compliance. he smuggled him in his ass. <laughs> that's why they have to go in our pants now at the TSA. My favorite part of the sanctions that never made it out too far is when he actually started giving up some weapons, and he was telling everybody that he didn't have, and they were like, whoa, wait, wait, so wait, 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 wait. you do have these weapons, and you're giving them back now? Where All did right. you get them from? Wait, 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 well, wait, wait. Where are the purchase orders? In Halliburton? <laughs> Who cut the P.O. for that? 
Oh, don't worry about it. Everything's Quick fine. Quick strike call. Quick strike call. Everything's fine, America. Go back. Your government is in complete control as uh, one great community. No, but what are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Emily about that? Am I, am I seeing that right or am I way off? Like, it's, you know, very it's, good, it's a very good astute observation because the, the way that they play this, it's a, very, it's a very scripted ordeal. And the way that they're playing it is you're exactly right. He comes out and basically acts as the father figure, acts as the person that has uh, the higher authority. And then she comes in with her counterbalance of, you know, we need to be sympathetic. Yes, yes. we do. We ad- we admit that there was a, a conspiracy. It was called Al-Qaeda. Emotions are running high. Emo- yeah, exactly. So, you know, just pushing pushing the football down the road, and then Jake Tapper hits you with the big – the big right hook at the very end, which I can't wait. You for. could imagine that the nine that the government made up nine eleven. All right, so that is not what these guys see. This is this is the type of journalism that I absolutely love. These people are so in, intellectually stunted that they have no idea who the architects and engineers are for 9-11 Truth. No idea what they've even put out as far as research goes. It's like, hey, get on the TV and just bash these conspiracy people. Oh, no problem. Yeah, because you haven't done any research on it, or if you have, then you're a shill. And this, uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry that you run a a quote-unquote magazine or whatever you want to call it, but you don't look bright enough to be a show. As a hoax, then the government is completely monstrous. There is no reason to believe anything any federal official says, and certainly no reason to pay your taxes. What? And what? where did that come from? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so do you see how they tied in like a Tea Party libertarian kind of idea, and in the Fed they just wrapped everybody into a nice bow and said, look, they're all conspiracy theorists, crazy people. They think that we shouldn't pay a private holding company. Our tax money. What a bunch of weirdos. I mean, they're just anti-government. That means the government would be monstrous. Yeah, and the government would shoot black people up with syphilis. No, your government would never do that. Your government's good. fluoride in your drinking water. No, it's fine, dude. Listen, these people, they just – look, that would mean that your government is monstrous, Alan, and they bought four billion bullets – and they're just going to use them for target practice, not, even they're though they're not, hollow points. They're not looking out for my best interest? Mm, they sh- yeah, well, really? no. you're telling me that they don't care about me? No, it's daddy government. Well, daddy government goes to war. <laughs> mommy government's going to take care of everybody. Yeah, I do need a little bit more of mommy, but I guess she's saying that the idea that daddy's in there is scary. Yeah, that's pretty it's terrifying. All right, so here we go. <laughs> and, and what happens when this kind of nonsense hits the... The echo chamber of the internet. Oh, you mean like your nonsense? All right, so I'm just going to continue because this is great. Well, it tends to multiply online, and you see these dark corners of the internet. These dark corners of the internet. Unlike <laughs> your sloving piece of filth left wing. Mordor. Extremely left wing slate magazine. Based out of probably Los Angeles. I would almost guarantee it is. All right, so Where people pile on, and there's this very minute parsing of the technicalities of the supposed evidence. Excuse me? The minute details. Like the fact that you guys didn't even put the third damn building on the brochure. You didn't even put it on there. And you're not even talking about this throughout the entire broadcast. It's like, wait a minute. 
This one's got two buildings. It's nice and pretty. This is the real one. This other one's the fake one. It's the, one, the third building. Doesn't even matter. Just, just move on. <laughs> and more and more de- detail gets added and accumulated, and it kind of feeds on itself. So she basically admitted the truth. That, oh, yeah, more and more stuff comes out, and it kind of feeds on itself, and then people want to go back and look at this stuff. What a bunch of weirdos. And the idea here, right, is not just that the three buildings were uh, destroyed by explosives, that it's all... I thought that that was exactly what the statement said at the very beginning. If I can... Hold on. We're at 255. I'm going to rewind He that. needs to recap because he wants to stay focused on what we need to distract or yeah, exactly. know, create the illusion to cover it up. But Hold on, people. He, does, he is nice enough to give a recap of the idea that Once these three know. buildings were blown up. Yes. Hold on. Fake flyers. Here the museum go. opens to the public this week in lower Manhattan, and some conspiracy theorists who are apparently no strangers to Photoshop plan on attending. Hold on. According Here we go. Loosely Here's... there. Proving, that's their word, not ours, that all three World Trade Center skyscrapers were deliberately destroyed by explosives on 9-11. Okay, so that was the exact verbatim quote that he read you. Seven minutes earlier. Not even seven minutes, but it seems like seven minutes because we've been breaking this down for forever. <laughs> but it is, um, yeah, a minute and 20 seconds ago. Welcome to short-term memory loss, American public. You win. Explosives, that it's all part of this grand conspiracy where the U.S. government... I mean, and let me and let me state if I haven't made it clear. That is not what they were. Did, it, is that what the quote stated? Because it doesn't look like it was to me. So now we're just going off into la la land to make this stuff look like it's completely unbelievable. Now, none of this is true. This is all just crazy talk. But that the U.S. government faked it, killed all these people intentionally, uh, and it was just to to start a war in Iraq and another one in Afghanistan. Is that is that the the idea that they're going for here? Uh, yeah, because a bunch of Saudis flew planes in the buildings and you went and attacked Iraq. Can you explain that to me, Mr. Tapper? How do you have a bunch of Saudi nationals that are CIA assets? Oh, and the magic passport, by the way, but we won't even talk about that. Yeah, two hours after the plane hits the building, oh, look, we found the pilot's passport here, right here in the rubble. Huh, look at that. Found it. Why don't we just make the plane out of that passport, and the planes won't blow up and fly into buildings? It'd be great. You know what would have been a nice is right after the CNN, uh, the CNN clip. Maybe they would roll out uh, maybe some past past histories of uh, Hitler burning those uh, villages before starting uh, his invasions, or, or Stalin maybe doing his damage over there before he. Uh, Decided to uh, go to war. It's no, like, those were German territories, Alan. Oh, right. Completely. Those Poland. Were, Poland was always Germany. Those were terrorists, and that was Actually, a, it was ter- a country. <laughs> the reality is, is that this guy's a clown to think for one second that, uh, oh my goodness, you're telling me that that's an incentive that you would to to want to go to war, that you would do such a thing? You mean you want to sell no bid contracts? You want to sell million dollar tarps to Halliburton or? Or uh, KBR or whatever it is now. Come on, people. People want to go to war. People, no. People want all the gold, all the oil in the world. <laughs> what? People are good. No. People dude, are listen, good. Listen, Rule people good with good. People. Duck, just... duck, goose on me. Come on over for some cookies. Everyone's gonna be fine. Everybody, listen. Everybody just wants to get along. They just want to get their check. They just want to watch their football. People don't sit there and strategize about how to kill you, poison you, or get you out of the way. <laughs> That's crazy talk. Oh, my goodness. That's the idea. And just to state it is to show how horrifying it is. 
I suppose that given that the American government... And is it, is it just me or does this woman really try to put on like the cheerleader persona? I suppose that like the government would do like stuff, but here we go. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> it's very upbeat. You gotta go yeah. crazy. All right, here we go. Makes you feel but the idea, better, so. and just to state it, is to show how horrifying it is. I suppose that given that the American government did put forward some false ideas to motivate uh, going into Iraq, in particular the whole idea that there were weapons of mass destruction. Ah, some tiny false ideas that the whole reason we went over there was to get this bad guy with these super big weapons that were going to basically be a threat to national security. I don't know how many times I heard that. But, you know, so they lied about this little thing. Just whatever. Hey, government's good. It loves you. That's like the tiny, tiny kernel of truth that is... The tiny kernel of truth. Uh, The tiny one. Once again, as they flash to the two brochures and the freaking people at CNN are too stupid to realize that the one on the left has two towers and the one on the right has three. It's great. In some way related to this completely crazy theory. And there's also a lot of scapegoats. One one important fact that is definitely... Definitely, definitely, I feel truly important to get out there to everyone is that there is no size when it comes to truth, folks. It doesn't matter if it's itty bitty bitty tiny, as Emily, our good friend, is referencing, or if it's a huge truth. The reality is is that truth is truth. Holy crap, we're almost done with the show. Can you believe that? Well, it's fun dissecting. Uh, it know. is. This is decoding propaganda, and I'm doing it with a novice. I'm not doing it and not to say that you're um, – I rephrase that. A nihilist. Do- no, wait a minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. This is this isn't what you focus on. Like I eat, sleep, and breathe this kind of crap. But you can. It's funny that you can even see this. All right, so we got like ten minutes left of the show. Welcome to part two of decoding propaganda. We'll be actually putting this on the YouTube channel. This will be great. I wish I was recording this, but I'm not. So we'll just have to do the audio. And here we go. Coding involved in the 9/11 truth or stuff. There's, there's anti-Semitism. Anti. What? Oh, boy. Really? There's anti-Semitism with a bunch of architects and engineers that put out a bunch of blueprints. How is that anti-Semitic? You guys are just throwing every damn thing you can at these people. Next, they're going to be racist. They're going to be a bunch of swastika-carrying people that are racist. These guys are probably racist. We're going to have to just get rid of them. Anti-Israel, anti-corporations, right? Oh. How dare you be anti corporations? Oh, That's not America. Is that what? What is that? If, if you're anti, you know, if you're against the Jews, I understand you're a racist. But if you're against corporations, what does that make you think? Uh, what, what's what's the terminology called there? You're not a racist. You're socialist. Uh, you're a socialist. So how do you get to be a socialist in here? All right. So these are racist, bigoted socialists that probably all right, whatever. Exactly. And I think you see these virulent strains that are related to each other and familiar from fringe right wing talk. And they all get kind of weirdly braided together in this particular. Because you guys just braided everybody together. What the hell is this woman's deal? I got you. Theory. And historically, we, we see that these conspiracies come after very upsetting events. The Kennedy assassination, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. You kind of slipped up there. That was actually admitted that the FBI fucking killed him. <laughs> 68 was a great year. God, you guys are – I'm sorry for the F-bomb, people, but, I mean, literally, Tapper, this is just propaganda, man. Did you really just – I just, I hope your check's got a lot of zeros in it, man. 
I does. really do. It I does. hope it does. It does. If I ever see you on the streets of Atlanta, I will hammer you with my cell phone. <laughs> like, really? So the government didn't kill MLK even though they released documents this year that said that they killed him? Uh, I never said that, really. You said that in your hit piece on whatever pattern. I'm looking at. There. Is there a pattern here of people that keep getting killed by the government? Anybody that tells us to unite and grow together is a, nah, they're all dead. I think that each time something really scary and disastrous happens, people search for meaning. And then... Um, man, she's on the ball, isn't she? That, that might be the most honest thing that she says <laughs> in this five-minute clip, folks. Take note in that. There really was an emotion there. I saw it. Oh, man, continuing with the lies. Sometimes, even when there is a clear explanation, because we have... Oh, because mommy government told us what it is. Listen, listen. Here's what happened. All right. Hey, doesn't matter that 80% of the people on the committee from 9-11 said that it was a, that it was a joke. 80% of the people on the committee said that this was a joke. This is not all the evidence, but... Ah, who keeps tracking congressional records? Nobody. It's the show okay. must go on. Yeah, we gotta keep talking to these people like they're kids. Otherwise, they're not gonna. They're gonna stop watching us. Oh, that's right. They already have. Have that for 9/11 in a way that we didn't for the Kennedy assassination. Certainly at first. When then you have this search for for supposed other evidence out there. And supposed. Evidence. It's just supposed it's, evidence. It's like finding a unicorn. It's the supposed evidence. And people just. I'm pretty sure that when you go to a jury trial, they're going to say, okay, that's supposed evidence. We can't put that in here. Kind of pick it up and yeah, run it can't with be it, entered even in the when court. it seems completely unwarranted. All right, Emily Bazelon with Slate.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. When we come Thanks back. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, when we come you. back. All right, thank you for just completely whatever. Folks, it was a great example of just in four and a half minutes what you can do to a mass audience. Think about probably tens of millions of people watching CNN. On oh, let's be honest, 250,000. <laughs> if we're going by the numbers, 250,000. Like literally, I have almost got as many downloads in my podcast as you guys do with viewers. God, that's sad. They have taken a... What are you trying to say, man? Hey, what are you, what, yeah, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Reality. I think this is what you're trying to Hey, everybody, there's a shit cloud coming. Run for your lives. <laughs> I think that's what Al was trying that's to about say. right, folks. Oh, God. So, anyway, we got about five minutes left. So, oh, that gets me to, oh, I actually saved this for the end of the show. Look at me. I was actually thinking ahead this evening. So, Al, install for me, if you will. Why don't you give your uh, your two cents on, on what we were just talking about tonight and the uh, the clips that we covered and, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. I, I tie it back to Machiavelli, you know, the concept of the theory that, hey, in order to gain the power, because that was his original motivation for all of this, is you just have to simply deceive, do whatever you can to influence the masses, to gain understanding to where they believe in you, they believe in the system, and you can obtain any power, any possession that you desire. You just simply have to utilize the persuasion and control the masses. Hold the carrot stick out there. Make them believe in you. Make them believe in the system. Everything else takes care of itself. Whatever dirty tricks you got to do, do it. They'll fall for it because they believe in you. That elevates you. You are now king of 
the jungle. Oh, man. So you mean that you could fly planes into buildings and go invade a sovereign nation? You could do that? That's you, pretty cool. You can do it, and you can get people to back you to do it. All right. I'm looking for this clip, and I think I've found it. So we're going to end with some good stuff here, everybody. Um, <clears throat> here's my last two cents, and um, it actually comes from Edward Bernays again. This is what we strive for, everybody. So if you're listening to this broadcast and you like what we have to say, share this message with people you know, people you love, people you like, and get them to tune in. Please share the message with one person. That's all that I ask. I've seen my ratings double over the last six months, and it's because you guys have been telling people about it or people have just been randomly landing on my site. So whichever is the case, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming back and listening to me. Sometimes ramble and bamble and not make any sense, but sometimes being actually very cogent making a lot of sense. So hopefully tonight was an episode that was uh, entertaining, but yet informative at the same time. So I'm going to leave you with this. Truth is mighty and must prevail. And if any body of men believe that they have discovered valuable truth, it is not merely their privilege, but their duty to disseminate that truth. If they realize as quickly as they must that spreading the truth can be done upon a large scale and effectively only by an organized effort, they will make us they will make use of the press and the platform the best means to give them wide circulation propaganda becomes vicious and reprehensive only when its authors consciously and deliberately disseminate what they know to be lies or when they aim the effects which they know to be or excuse me prejudicial to the common good and that's exactly what we dealt with. So that's the end of the show, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to leave you with the greatest speech ever made. And if you guys are listening on the live stream, you're not going to hear the end. If you're listening on the podcast, you will hear the last bit of it. So once again, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Um, follow me on Twitter. Like me on Facebook. Um, I will be your buddy. So if you like me on Facebook, I'll be your friend. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll follow you back. God bless and good night. Absolutely, everybody. Take care, everyone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. But we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent, and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die 
and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery. Fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man. Not one man, nor a group of men. But in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. A decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give you the future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!